Thank you, thank you. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Increase, so I must decrease, Lord God. Hide me behind your cross. Let your word touch the hearts of those who hear it now and those who may hear it later. In the name of Jesus, the great I am, we pray. Amen. Uh, for this uh, Family and Friends Day, I want to talk a little bit about prayer and proselyting. Primarily prayer and, and a little bit of proselyting, but primarily prayer. Uh, if I could describe the book of James in one word, I would have to say talk. Uh, James builds on talk. James tells us how to talk to each other, how to talk to each other when things are good, and how to talk to each other when things are not so good. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He goes on to say, in how he talks to people, he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer He's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror for he observes himself Goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer But a doer of the work And he will be blessed in what he does Goes on later on to say in about verse 26 one of my favorites in chapter 1 of James, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself spotted, unspotted from the world. James goes on again, still talking about talk. 
and says, uh, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but not works? Uh, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and somebody says to him, depart in peace and be warmed and be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Nah, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James shows us how we need to tame our tongues. We need to control our talk because that small part of our body can get us in a whole lot of trouble. It says, look also at the ships, so they are so large and driven by forced winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among its members that it defiles the whole body and sets on course the nature and it is set on fire by hell. Talk. How we talk to people is important. James tells us not to speak evil of one another for there is but one lawgiver and who are we to judge? James tells us not to boast about tomorrow because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. James builds upon good talk throughout the whole book, good conversation. But all the talking we do, all of the talking we do incorrectly, all of the conversations that we have, the most important conversation, the most important talking we ought to be doing is with God. Why should our most important conversations be with God? Because if you are going to bring all kinds of different type of people together in, I don't know, say a church, you probably need to talk to God in order to get along. You probably need to talk to God in order to get along with your family. You, you need to talk to get along with your coworkers. You need to talk to God to get along with your frat. You need God to talk to to get along with a bunch of people. James is showing us in the text something that I repeat, and I repeat it because it was repeated to me as I was going through seminary. You can't really be a Christian outside of community. Jesus' two greatest commandments were to love God and to love people. Can't really do that by yourself. It requires you to talk to them. It requires you to talk to them on a regular basis. And so here he is talking about prayer. First off in the text, I notice when he says, if any of you are sick, if any of you need anything, anyone suffering, let them pray. That's interesting to me because in order for you to know what's going on with somebody, you would have had to have talked to them. If you don't talk to them, you don't know what's going on. So if we are going to be Christians, if we are going to be family, if we are going to be a family of believers, we got to check on each other. We have to stop by and see how people are doing. 
If we don't, there's no guarantee that nobody else will. But it says, if anyone is suffering, let them pray. And so when should we pray? Uh, we should pray in times of trouble, and we should pray in times of triumph. Whether things are going good, we should pray. When things are going bad, we should pray. When things are going so-so, we should pray. When we don't think anything is happening, we should pray. At all times, we need to pray. We need to talk to God in the good times and the bad in feast and famine. That's how we keep the relationship working. If somebody only talks to us when they specifically want something from us, we treat them a little differently than if they talk to us on a regular basis. Amen? If they talk to us on a regular basis, they maintain the relationship. There's constant communication. And that's how we have to be with God. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-22, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God of Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. We always have to pray. We have to pray when we don't think it's supposed to go our way. We have to pray sometimes when we think that prayer is going unanswered. We have to pray when we don't like the answer that we got. Regardless of the situation, we have to pray. Psalm 22 Verse 1 and 2, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me in the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, I am not silent. Sometimes that conversation does not go the way we want it to go. But we're not supposed to stop praying. We're not supposed to stop seeking God. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians, you know, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, lest I shall be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. But my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly would I rather burst, boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In reproaches, in needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Sometimes the answer we're looking for is not going to be the answer we wanted. And we have to deal with that. Prayer is not about always getting what you want. It's not necessarily a restaurant menu where you can just order food and get it your way. And if you don't like it, send it back. 
You can have a conversation or a relationship with a friend and everything you say to said friend may not go the way you intended it to go. That doesn't mean the friend is bad. It just means the conversation didn't go the way you intended it to go. Sometimes prayer is not there to change the situation. Sometimes their prayer is there to change you in the situation. Prayer is a discipline. And a discipline is a practice. It's a practice that requires training. A discipline is something to study. A discipline is something you train at. A discipline is an activity that requires repetition. Something we do over and over again so you don't just pray one time and it's all good. You have to continually pray. But it strengthens you. There, is, uh, there have been studies done on people's brains while they pray and they've seen what areas light up in the brain while they are praying. And they've done studies with people who were sick and people who were in need of healing and those who prayed versus those who did not pray. And those who prayed had better results than those who did not. Those who had a grounded relationship in faith had better results than those who did not. But what was also interesting is that those who had grounded relationships in faith, but also an understanding of the medical system did even better. So what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is, is when you are sick and you go to the doctor, you pray for your healing, but you pray for that doctor too. You pray for the doctor's hands. You pray for the doctor's tools. You pray for the doctor's team that is coming in to work. You pray that they all talk to one another and they all communicate with one another. You pray for everything involved. We have reasons for prayer. Prayer will raise up the sick and I have to say I struggle with this one. I struggle with it even this morning. But I struggle with it, but I understand now what I studied and how it came about. Uh, sometimes the raising that we are looking for might not be the raising we get. I've had to learn that sometimes raising them out of the sick bed to me is not the raising that's going to happen. Sometimes they'll be raised out of the sick bed and into the arms of God. And I can prove it because that same word for raise is only used three times in the New Testament Greek. The first time was when James used it to raise up the Greek. Another time that it's used is in Matthew 12 when it says Jesus healed a man with a withered hand and the Pharisees approached him about healing on the Sabbath and he said to them around about verse 11, what man is there among you that has one sheep and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not, not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more value is that man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. That's the other time that the word raise up was used in the Greek for this way, the same way John used, I mean, James used it to raise up the Greek. But the other time is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 
starting around about verse 7, it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have that same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing, here it is, he who raised up Jesus. He who raised up Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. So I've had to learn in dealing with the passing of Sister Janet that sometimes that raising that we're asking for it's already here in the Bible. You may want them to raise out of the grave, out of the sick bed, but sometimes they have to raise into God's arms. So we pray. And she was raised. There's no gap here between the physical healing and the spiritual healing. We like to separate the two. We like to prefer one over the other. But I'm learning that the people at that time of the text saw it as one and the same. And that's how we ought to be in our prayer. Uh, then it says that so prayer will raise up the sick and then it will restore the sinner. Just like there was no distinguished difference between physical and spiritual healing, there's also a connection between forgiveness and healing. I'm reminded of uh, the children's director at Windsor Village United Methodist Church, Sister Leona Ellis. She says, not forgiving somebody is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. If someone has offended you, pray. Ask God to help you forgive them. Doesn't mean you go back to being super best friends right immediately, but it can help you physically. When people are living inside your head rent free, as my mom says, it can make you sick. You spend a lot of time worrying about things that you ought not be worrying about. Your blood pressure goes up. You have trouble digesting. You get muscle stiffness. Release. Let it go. Pray. You can't allow them to live in your head rent free. At least get something out of it or let it go. Pray. 
Uh, James goes on to give an example of prayer. But he says that often quoting Pisa, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effective, fervent, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Again, repeating over and over again, prayer is not something you do just one time and expect everything to work. Fervent means at a, almost a feverish pace. And I can understand about a fever. I understand a fever does not quit. Been dealing with one since Tuesday night. Not wanting to break. You can't quit. You can't quit. Praying one time and expecting everything to go your way is like going to the gym one time and expecting to be in shape for the rest of the year. You have to keep going to the gym if you want to stay in shape. Praying one time and expecting everything to continue to work is like, I'll go to my job in January, but from February to December, I'm off. You will be off all right. You will be off looking for another job. You have to continually work at this if you want to get any good. There is nothing you can do just one time and just be awesome at it. We have to keep working at it. We have to keep praying. We have to keep trying. We have to keep communicating with God. That's the only way we can ever understand anything. And not just prayer, but studying. Worship. Church attendance. And even outside of this Christian life and dealing with people. If you only talk to somebody once a year, you can't really expect yourself to be good friends with them now, can you? I mean, I understand life happens and people move away, but you have to build on these things. You have to work at them. That's the only way it grows. So you pray. And you keep praying. And you keep praying. And sometimes you don't get the answer you want. But you keep praying. Pray. 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 James picked it up. an example in his prayer. It says Elijah as a role model, and it says uh, the text says that he had the same nature as us. In the Greek, it literally means he was of the like feeling. He had like feelings. He had our emotions. He went through certain things. He didn't always feel up to doing the things he had to do, and I can relate. There's plenty of stuff I don't want to get up every morning and do. Still got to do it. Might not be happy about it. Still got to do it. And so sometimes you may not feel like praying. Still got to do it. 
God might not feel like waking you up the next morning. Might not feel like protecting you from danger seen and unseen. Might not think about giving you favor in certain situations that you're asking for. You got to maintain the relationship. Pray. Keep praying. And when you're done praying, pray some more. Prayer has to be continual, continual conversation. Everything you do should be prayerful. Now, that does not mean you crawl around on your knees. It does not mean it takes you two hours to get out the house because you're in the prayer closet. But everything you do, you should do with the consideration of God. Not only should everything you do, you do with be consideration of God, but you should also be the consideration of your witness. I say it all the time. I'm in the pulpit on Sundays. I go to seminary, but you all will preach way more sermons than I ever will. People will join churches because of the people that they hang around, that they see are Christians long before they hear a pastor preach. You are the only Bible some people will ever read. You are the only Christian some people will ever see. You are the only sermon some people will ever hear. You are the only prayer some people will ever hear. So you do this not just for yourself, but for those who are watching. For those who are watching and may say, what must I do to become saved? The person who turns a person over from sin is saving them from death. And that's what we're doing here. Trying to save people. So you pray. And you keep praying. And you keep praying. And you keep praying. Jesus said in Matthew, in this manner, therefore you should pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'll try that again. Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be our, your name. He's teaching us how to pray. He's acknowledging God as father of all creation and his name is above all names. He is the creator of the universe. He is the first and the last. He has encompassed all of reality. There is nothing that exists without him. So we should acknowledge that when we come before him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God being at hand at hand what we can reach it's right here this is the work that we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to be doing is turning this on here into something up there we're supposed to be bringing a little bit of up there down here 
supposed to be doing a little bit of bringing the worship and the, the, the praise of God for who he is and what he's done. We're supposed to bring that down here and line up everybody into the kingdom. That is what we are supposed to do. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and give us this day our daily bread. What do we need to make it through today? We should be able to talk to God and ask for what we need today and be able to get what we need today. Not necessarily worry about tomorrow. I'm not saying don't make plans for the future. I'm not saying don't worry about what else is happening, but the things that we stress about, the majority of them never happen. It's unnecessary stress. So what do we need to talk about? What do we need to get through to make it through today? And forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. I'm not talking about this church or anybody I know in general. I'm going to just say people in general are real good about that first part. Not so much about the second part. It's real easy to ask for forgiveness, but let somebody owe us something. It strains the relationship just a touch. It's amazing how owing somebody $40 can, can completely ruin a friendship. It's amazing how not taking care of something somebody asked you to do will ruin the relationship, but we want our issues overlooked. So we ask to forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And something I've learned is very easy once you've done it. It takes a little practice, but once you start to release and let those things go, you are no longer stressed about it. That's living in your head rent-free. Who owes you what and what they haven't given you and when they need to pay up. That's time you could be doing other things. That's, that's energy that you could be spent on more important things. So it's better just to let it go. It's a lot easier. So we forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not leave, lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Nah. For every temptation, there is a way of escape. It's nothing put on us that we can't bear. We are able to get out of these situations. And if we think we need a little help, all we got to do is ask. Back again to praying. Pray, 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 and pray some more. And when you're done praying, pray some more. Any issue that you need deliverance out of, any way of escape that you need, pray. Your help may have already come and you missed it because you were looking for something else. Pray. 
And then in this prayer, he started off praising God for who God was, and he finishes like he started. The way you start is the way you finish. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Back to the kingdom. Back to the rules. Back to the establishment of the one who created everything. That is how you pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer. It's a model for how we are supposed to pray. Now, if you don't hit it in that exact format, I think that's all right. Because there are moanings and groanings that sometimes you can't understand. Sometimes you are in a position where you don't have a time to hit everything in a perfect patch. And you just need God help me. That's okay, too. As long as you are having that conversation. Sometimes all you can get out of your mouth is Jesus. Sometimes you can't even get Jesus out of your mouth. It's just, mmm. That's okay too. As long as you're still talking to God, it's okay. Pray, 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 and pray some more. Jesus prayed. Says in Mark, he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed and said that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. And then when they took him to a place called Calvary, where they crucified him, and the criminals was on the right and on the left, Jesus said to them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus prayed. He prayed because he was going to take over a, a, a task that had to be done. He had to go to Calvary for us. He had to go to Calvary for us. Hung, bled, and died for us. So he prayed. He prayed. And because he prayed, he rose again. And then the 11 disciples, it says, went away to Galilee on a mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them and said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. He prayed. And that is what we are to do if we are to be Christians, if we are to be those who follow Jesus. We ought to pray. We ought to pray because somebody prayed for us. And we ought to pray because somebody prayed for them. We have to maintain the conversation. We have to keep talking to God. That is how we stick together. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.